You are listening to an Elam Church Christchurch podcast. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired by the message you are about to hear. And if you're ever in Christchurch, why don't you pop in and say hello? We'd love to connect. Well, I've got a message on my heart for you today. And I want to tell you right now, I'm going to keep my message short because we want to put this into practice by, uh, by, having, by giving you the invitation to come forward and receive prayer. Because we, when we're talking about uh, the Scripture hungering and thirsting after righteousness, we really need to put it into practice. So we are right here in the middle of a series called uh, Beautiful Attitudes. If it's your first time in church, it's a great opportunity to be able to host you today. And uh, the Beautiful Attitudes series is around the Beatitudes that are found in Matthew chapter 5. And uh, if you haven't, if you've missed some of them, then you can go back onto the church podcast. If you didn't know we've got a podcast, you just pull out your, your phone and you can search for any podcast app within reason, all of the major ones, Spotify, uh, Apple, iPhone, Podbean, all of those ones will have our church podcast on it. And it's got all of the messages, um, this one included, and they usually get uploaded on a Sunday afternoon. But this is today's uh, today's scripture says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Love that promise. They will be filled. My name's Pete, by the way. If, if we haven't met, I realize I just forgot to introduce myself. I'm the campus pastor here. And I wonder if you've ever had this experience where you got really grumpy right before dinner. I <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, if, if you've had that experience where, where you've gotten grumpy right before you're about to eat, be, uh, be assured it's a common experience. In fact, it's such a common experience, they have termed the, they've created the term hangry. Hangry. I don't know if you've ever heard that term, but the term hangry uh, is when you are angry and hungry, and the reason you're angry is because you're hungry. And uh, the funny thing, um, you might say to somebody, hey, when's dinner? I'm feeling hangry. And in our house, that is definitely a thing. People get hangry. Boys get hangry. It's like, you know, when you're a teenager, you come home from school and you say, mom, what's for dinner? And she says, well, nice to see you too. How's your day? You know, like, you're just feeling hangry. And uh, you see, you know, you, you, you eat your dinner you're feeling hangry and you eat, and then all of the frustration just drips off you, just falls away. And you think, man, I thought that was, I thought those feelings were about something else, but it turns out I was just feeling hangry. It's okay. Now, it wouldn't be right to tell you all our family's hangry episodes because they affect other people. I won't tell you mine, but I'm tempted to tell you somebody else's, but it's not the Lord. But the problem is, is that you can be hangry and not know it. You can feel very passionate about something all of a sudden at 10 past five and you're thinking, and you, and you're thinking I, I, I'm sure this is not me feeling hangry. I just, I'm really suddenly passionate about this thing. You can be hangry and not know it. You can think you're frustrated, but you're really just hangry. And if someone was to say to you, calm down, you're hangry, then that is definitely the wrong thing to say because they would feel the full force of your pre-dinner grumps until after dinner and you realize, you say, I'm sorry, darling, I was just feeling hangry. The problem with being hangry 
is the same problem that we face in lots of other areas, is that there are things in life that we feel, but we don't know how to fill. There are things in life that we feel, but we don't actually know how to fill those things. It's not enough to sense that you've got a problem, but it's quite a difficult experience to sense that you've got a problem and not actually know what to do next. It's like you've got, uh, when, when you sense that a habit is a bad one, and you're choosing in, uh, by, by continuing that habit to bring things into your life that you know are not healthy for you, but you don't actually know how to move past it. It's a hard experience to have this experience where I, I know I've got a problem, but I don't know how to fill it. You might have a way of relating to people that is gossipy. And you sense that uh, sense in yourself this thirst for approval, and you try and meet that approval by kind of offering up bits of information about other people that is not your business to tell them. And you kind of sense that that's a problem, but you don't know what to do about it. Or maybe you sense in your heart that you're, you, know, you, you struggle with people-pleasing. And again, there's this thirst for approval in your world that kind of leads you to this place of just wanting to say yes because you couldn't bear to say no, but you don't know how to fill that. It's one thing to sense that you've got a challenge or a problem or an obstacle, and it's another thing to actually know how to fill it. A positive example might be that you sense that there's a calling on your life for a particular ministry, or for something that God has placed in your heart to do, but you just don't know how to get there. There's the hunger, but you don't know how to see it filled. You don't know what to do next. And it can be a really hard and frustrating experience to sense in yourself a hunger for something that you don't know how to fill. I wonder sometimes when it comes to altar calls, if we struggle with this because we think to ourselves, I really need to come forward. I really need to come and receive prayer. But if I come forward, everybody else in the room will know that I've got some desperate area that I, that I need God to move in. And, I, and, I, and it's just really tough because I can sense that there's a hunger there, but I don't know what to do. I don't feel like I've got the capacity to see that fill. It can be hard to admit a hunger for something that we do not have the capacity to fill. So I want to teach through this passage, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, for a little bit today, and then I'm going to invite the band up, and we're going to go into a time of ministry. And I just want to tell you that right now, because as the Holy Spirit starts to prompt you, you might think of that as your next step. But I just want to say that uh, there will be people here today, myself included, who know that they need victory over a habit, but don't know what to do next. People who think to themselves, I need more of God. I want to see God moving in this area of my life, but I don't know what to do next. People who think, you know, I want to move in this area. I want to step out in this ministry, but I don't know what to do next. And uh, God always and when I say always, I mean like 90% of the time, uh, forces me to learn my messages. And things will happen. And, I, and usually, historically for me, I'll only realize this is happening like on the Saturday morning when it's really ramped up. And you're teaching on patience. And you, why has this week suddenly been so frustrating? And I realize, oh, yeah, because I'm teaching on patience. And God's just teaching me and forcing me to live my messages. And so uh, this week... I got to the point yesterday where I was so frustrated that I said, I, I need a miracle. 
I need a miracle. I just need a miracle. There's an area of my life right now that is unfulfilled that I am pressing into God for with hunger because there is no human solution. And if it continues going as it currently is, I'm going to really struggle in the season ahead. And I'm not prepared to do that because I know there is a God who fills the hungry. And so I need a miracle today. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6 says this. It says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. A little bit of teaching for you this morning. Western society, we don't really understand the depth of those words, hunger and thirst. Jesus is largely talking to laborers. And what you need to know is that a daily wage back then was nearly enough to scrape by food-wise. A daily wage was nearly enough to provide for a family, but not much more than that. Workers uh, in first century Palestine, they never got fat off their wage. It just, just didn't happen. It was, it was common to only be able to afford meat once per week. That kind of gives you a bit of, a bit of uh, feeling. And so if an unexpected bill came up, guess what? You didn't eat. If you want to give a gift to somebody, guess what? You didn't eat. If, if something uh, in your world happened and someone had a medical expense, then guess what? Family doesn't eat because we've got to meet this medical expense. Workers knew what it was like to be hungry and desperately and dangerously hungry. And when it comes to thirst, it's a similar, it's a similar thing. Because you and I, when we're driving down the road, I want to suggest that we're probably only one or two minutes at the most away from running water. Whether it's a, um, a chilled H2Go from the, super, from the supermarket or something like that, or just your neighbor's hose, you know, like there's some kind of running water that's close by you. But if you're traveling in Jesus' day and you ran out of water, you could be 20 kilometers from the nearest well in hot Middle Eastern weather. If you ran out of water, you would not just be thirsty in the sense that I could use a glass of water or a cup of tea. You would be thirsty in the sense of, if I don't get water soon, something really bad is going to happen. I'm going to pass out and praise God if somebody finds me, but if they don't, the birds will kind of thing. If you can get that image in your mind. Birds start circling because they see somebody who's thirsty, and you know that you're not just thirsty, you're desperately thirsty. So the first thing when we're talking about hungering and thirsting after righteousness, it's not just a light interest. It's not the, I'll take God if my first four options run out. It's, it's that there's a list and there's only one person's name on that list and that is the almighty God. And if he does not come through for me, I am toast. It's that kind of hunger. It's hunger as a starving man longs for food, as somebody dying of thirst longs for water. So the challenge in that scripture is that how much do you want the Lord in your life? How much do you want righteousness in your life? How badly do you hunger for the things of God? How badly do you need it? How badly do you need the Holy Spirit filling and refilling your life? But the great news is that you don't have to want it enough to go out and earn it. When somebody says to you, you know, hey, do you want to run a business? They might say, how bad do you want it? 
And what they're really saying is, do you want it bad enough to go out and start a business and to sink your personal savings into it and work hard? And do you want it enough to earn it? And how bad do you want to get buff or how bad do you want to get fit? It's not that. It's, a, it's do you want it enough to ask God for it? Because righteousness, we cannot earn it. We cannot earn it. We don't have the capacity on our own to earn it. We're on this kind of merry-go-round of things that are consistently tainted by the sin in this world. And we simply cannot get off without the Lord. So the great news is, is that you don't have to want it enough to go out and earn it. You can't earn it. You have to want it in your life, life enough to ask God for it. So if you want to be patient or meek, you're not expected to go out and practice until you become an expert in meekness. You simply open up to God and His grace and experience it as a gift upon your life. If you want to be self-controlled in an area and you know that you're not, the act of opening that area up to God and say, I want to have the righteousness and right living in my life. I don't have it. I've tried to get it and I can't, but I just want it and I need it and I need it enough to desperately ask you for it. That is enough to be filled. The scripture says that those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. Not those who hunger and thirst enough to go out and get coaching so that they might know how to do the right thing, but simply wanting it is enough to get it. And then it says those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, righteousness is a really interesting word in Hebrew, and often it means two things. And in Hebrew, often when you've got a word that means two different things, it can mean both of those things at the same time. So you get kind of two, two angles to an idea. And so the first, the first idea that righteousness can mean is personal righteousness, morality. So that is right living for each person before God. And so in the context of this way of speaking out of, uh, about righteousness, the lesson becomes those who want to live according to God's standard and will, those who want to live in relationship with God, those who want to live in right relationship with God, but find themselves falling down and not able to live up to their own standard, if you're like that, then the promise is that you will be filled. An example of this is, is being filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, we can often fall into the trap of thinking that in order to be filled with the Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and fills you, he better not find anything naughty in there. You know, like we've got to get clean enough so that when the Holy Spirit comes in, he's not going to find any little dark sections of our life that, uh, that he, he, he discovers. But the Holy Spirit is an act of grace. He falls upon your life. Simply asking for it and being open to it is enough. And he'll, he'll, he'll fill you and he'll take you, excuse me, he'll take you on a journey to be able to see some of those things clean and healed. I am consistently amazed at what God seems to do in my life and through me and teach me, despite of my very real humanity. Consistently amazed. And the lesson is because the desire for God is enough. Even though you can't earn it, it's given. You're filled up regardless through spiritual hunger. 
And so the second way that, that the word righteousness is used in Scripture, and it's right alongside this, this meaning, is corporate righteousness, the righteousness of a community. That is right living and right being of a community, of a nation towards God. And so to pick on this one issue, and it's, not, it's just one issue, but it probably relates to all of us, is that I believe that greed and human greed should never impact rent, rental prices. I believe that. I believe that it's wrong in New Zealand in this day and age for families to go hungry and to compromise their children's um, food and education and future simply because somebody else wants to extend their profit margin. And so that's, a, that's an example of, of the lack of corporate righteousness. And the Bible teaches that when God comes, he brings righteousness. And, and another word for that same idea is justice. He brings justice. Uh, the kingdom of God is made 100% manifest. And in, in, in that example, the issue of rent will be made right. And we will find ourselves, when God comes and his kingdom is made, uh, made real, we will find ourselves in a place where everybody has enough. And that's why Martin Luther King, in his famous I Have a Dream speech, he uses the word righteousness, and he references this idea of righteousness. And so this gives you a bit of another, another background through the lens of racism in, uh, at that time that, that expresses this level of corporate righteousness. Martin Luther King was able to quote Amos chapter 5, verse 24, where he says, But let justice roll on like a river, and righteousness like a never-failing stream. He is saying that everything is far from what God intended. There needs to be a calling at that time. He was calling for the nation to turn back to God in this area. An increase in corporate righteousness. There will be a day when righteousness is here, not just personally, not just with personal morality, but, but with corporate goodness. And that day is when Christ comes back. And so that kind of changes the meaning of the scripture and gives you another angle to it, to a kind of end times promise. Where the scripture says those who look around them that, that lesson might be those who look around them and see the stranglehold of sin on society and the people who hunger for a better day, they can hope and they can pray and they can expect that when the kingdom of God comes, they will be filled. They will be filled, not just a little bit filled or temporarily filled, but 100% filled. And so Matthew is using, in my opinion, the phrase in both of these ways because it is our personal relationships with God that have a profound impact on the corporate righteousness of those around us. So when you and I step out and we, we step, choose to step into greater our passion for God, when we let our hunger for God overtake our hunger for everything else, when the Holy Spirit is moving through us and we're, and, and we're giving to people and we're showing kindness to people, that actually has an impact on the corporate righteousness of our community and of your street and of the collection of houses which are immediately adjacent to your own. So what does it mean to hunger and thirst after righteousness? What it means is to find yourself in a position where you admit 
the hunger for things to change, both in your life and in your community. So what it looks like for me in my life is that there are seasons, and when I say seasons, I usually am thinking about weeks at a time, where I know that I deeply need God. And for some reason, there's some cause of stress at that time or some cause of something that, uh, that pops up in my life and my immediate human response is to try and quench that stress with something of the world. Some, like Usually for me, it's stress eating or watching too much TV. And, uh, but there comes a point when the hunger for God to move in my life and in that area becomes so great that there's nothing to do except open my life and say, God, I'm desperate for you now. I was, I was kind of a little bit hungry before, but now I know that in this area of my life, I need you. I need you more than anything else. And in that space, God says, you know what? I promise those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. In that space of desperation, God meets me. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable desperation. Because it's desperation that comes with the confession that on my own, I don't have what it takes to have victory in this area. And that's an uncomfortable place to get to, but that is a place that God continues to lead us into. Matthew Barclay, a Bible commentator, summarizes the scripture like this. He says, Blessed is the man who longs for total righteousness, as a starving man longs for food and as a perishing man longs for water, for that man will be truly satisfied. So as the band comes, and we're going to take some time this morning. If the band can come, that'd be great. We're going to take some time this morning to worship together. And I want to invite you, while the band plays, to say, you know what, I, there is an area of my life that I really truly am desperate for God to move in. It might be in the area of your family. It might be somebody in your family whom you know that you need to get desperate before God for at this time. It might be desperation to be filled with the Holy Spirit again. And you're feeling in your heart the sense of dryness and you're feeling this, this kind of, this grabbed a hold of you. And you think, Nob, before I was able to distract myself, but for here right now, I can just feel the Holy Spirit speaking to me right now. And, and you're thinking to yourself, I can just sense God is moving in this and I cannot leave from this place without being filled. The Holy Spirit obeys our free will and so He'll only go in your life where He's invited. But His calling gets louder and louder. And I want to challenge you with this. God is always speaking. And, and we as humans have a way of, of, of turning the volume of His voice down. And you can do that, and He will keep speaking. You can do that once or twice or even three or four times, and, but there is a warning in my mind that starts going off 
that says, I never want to turn down God so much because there may come a time when I'm actually deaf to his voice. Don't turn your ears so hard off to the things of God and the voice of God in your life because you never know. There may come a time when you do it so much and so often that you become deaf to his voice. Maybe you're in the need of a miracle. Maybe you're in the need of a healing and you've been praying about it, but God is calling you to step up in, that, in the area of spiritual hunger. Step up your desperation for him and to boldly go after God with desperate prayer and hunger for him to move. So as the band, we're going to worship together. In fact, can I ask you to stand together? Let's stand. We're going to sing. We're going to have a time of worship at the end of our service. And while everybody else is worshiping, I want to invite you to take a step of hunger and thirst. It's okay if you're desperate. I'm desperate. And let's pray together. And let's make a step where we say, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to let the, the image of man distract me from this moment because this is my moment and I'm sensing God is on this. And I never want to turn down the voice of God so much for risk of going deaf to His voice. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you right here in this moment. We welcome you here. With all of the authority that you've given me, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come and speak to every heart, every heart right here. Bring to mind, right now in this moment, the things that we need you to move in, the things that you need us to ask for, the things that you've been wanting to break open heaven and pour out on our lives, if only we would get desperate enough to ask. Holy Spirit, speak to us right now. Thank you for listening to this Elam Church Christchurch podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit www.elamchristchurch.org or connect at one of our services every Sunday at 10am.